and he always beats me. And so just a few moments ago, I said, you know, nobody is that good. Nobody. I don't care who you are. And then Susan tells me that his lowest grade in math this year is 96. And I said, well, I don't know. Maybe he is that good. So well done, Titus. Well done. Our passage this afternoon is going to be found in John 20, verses 19 through 29. Of course, that account is the appearance of Jesus to the apostles in the absence of Thomas. Thomas eventually shows up. Jesus rebukes Thomas for his apparent uh, disbelief in him. And uh, Thomas obviously comes around to the proper understanding of where he ought to be. Of course, upon the first day of the week, after having been murdered on Friday, Jesus walked out of the grave, becoming the captain of our salvation. The passage before us speaks of Jesus' first appearance after having been crucified, appearing to his disciples, and John described the tension as being when the doors were shut. They were shut because of the fear the disciples had of them also could have been murdered just like their Savior could have been murdered. It was well known that the tomb wherein the Lord had been placed was empty and the Jewish leaders were not happy. Now, to reassure his frightened disciples, Jesus appeared to them in their seclusion. The iron bars, the stone walls, they could not prevent the Christ from visiting those he loved. And of course, as he stood in their midst, he said to them, Peace be unto you. That was a familiar greeting that he often used. He said that so they would be familiar with who he was. So they would know who he was, so they would not be frightened. However, there were two disciples missing from their number. Judas, of course, he had hanged himself. He he hanged himself because of worldly sorrow. He would no longer be numbered among the twelve. He wouldn't attend any more meetings with the apostles, but there was another one, Thomas. Thomas, he wasn't there. Did he flee too far after the crucifixion? Was his absence unavoidable? We aren't given that information. We do not know why he wasn't there. Judas wasn't expected to be there. Thomas was. Thomas was supposed to be there. Thomas should have believed the prophets. He knew the information. He knew exactly the things written concerning the Messiah. Psalm 16.10, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. He knew that was God's word, but for some reason he did not heed it. He doubted. He should have believed the words of Christ himself, shouldn't he? He heard them from the Lord's mouth. Matthew 20, verse 19. 
Christ himself said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Thomas should have believed the witness of Christ, the words of Mary and Peter. They said they had seen him. The two disciples who traveled to Emmaus, they saw him. All the disciples who told him, we have seen the Lord, but only seeing and feeling would satisfy Thomas. I think it should be the goal of every Christian to grow in faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said, 1 Timothy 2, 4. And we want to make the application of the Apostle Thomas because that's what he did eventually. To do that, though, we have to understand Thomas. Have you ever noticed that when people speak of Thomas, they simply speak of the doubting portion of Thomas? I don't know that a whole lot of people seek to understand a whole lot about Thomas. Just simply the application or the lesson behind doubting. There's, I think, a lot more to Thomas than just the idea that Thomas was doubting Thomas. I want us to look at Thomas for just a moment, and let's try to understand a little bit about Thomas. I think he's been misunderstood a lot over the years. I don't think we need to make excuses for Thomas, but let's understand a little bit about Thomas. The title of the sermon this under this afternoon is Understanding Thomas, and let's start with his courage. Thomas did have courage. He was a courageous man. Thomas was an honest man. And he understood reality. Thomas didn't sugarcoat anything. When Jesus told his disciples, let's go up to Judea again, their response was, John 11, beginning with verse 7, The Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? When they heard the plan, they tried to dissuade him from going up there. They said, don't go up to Judea, they're going to try to kill you. And you know what that meant, right? If they try to kill you, they're going to try to kill everyone with you as well. But Thomas was brave. Thomas was courageous. He wasn't going to not go. And Jesus told them, though, look, I'm going to go up and fulfill my duty. It's not my time to be killed. So the honest doubter's response was, let's go along also that we may die with him, John eleven sixteen. Rational difficulties do not deter an honest doubter from his duty. Thomas was confused, no doubt about it. But they were all confused in some sense, weren't they? But he was not going to allow his confusion to deter him. His love for Christ was too great. And within his statements, we see the honesty lead to his heroic nature. Thomas displayed great courage when he heard the Lord's determined answer. He was, in my opinion, one of the bravest disciples. We think of, we think of Peter in the garden. 
We think of Peter drawing his sword and 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 removing the ear of the high priest's servant Malchus. I think that was a moment of emotion because we also remember Peter denying the Lord three times. We don't read of Thomas doing that. Or we read of Thomas not being present. He didn't return. But we never see Thomas in a situation where he ever denied the Lord. We see Thomas willing to go up at any time he had an opportunity to give his life for uh, for Jesus. He seemed always to look on the dark side of things, though. He was he seems to me like the kind of person who the glass is always half empty, but he doesn't seem to me to be the kind of person who knew fear. He knew no fear. Now it may have been two o'clock in the morning courage, but doubt or no doubt, he was going to go with the Lord and he was going to present himself at the Lord's side. He was going to go with him. Thomas dealt in facts, and according to him, the glass being half empty, they were going to die. And he was going to go with him to die. Like the other apostles, he lacked an understanding of the nature of the kingdom, and he absolutely lacked an understanding of the resurrection. But he knew life wasn't all velvet. In fact, he knew life was a lot of the times more like sandpaper. And he saw the enemies of Jesus standing in Jerusalem with rocks in their hands and they would kill Jesus and those standing with him. That's what he understood. And that was the conclusion he had reached. And still he said, let's go. So he was a courageous and he was a heroic man. And so Thomas kept right on being an apostle, rain or shine, He was a man of action, and when duty called, he answered the call. This is kind of, in my opinion, the kind of person that Thomas was. The martyrs said, let us die for him, but Thomas said, let's die with him. So we see the the heroic ability in uh, Thomas for sure. Thomas had a great gift for asking questions. And he had had the ability to ask questions. And I think we ought to ask questions. You know, when we look at Thomas asking the questions, we never see any resentment on the part of the Savior for his asking those questions. God wants us to ask questions, particularly when it comes to our salvation. He doesn't want us to rely on others for, for our salvation. He wants us to ask those questions. How do I become a Christian? Why should I? follow certain parameters in obeying the gospel. He wants us to ask the legitimate questions. So to understand Thomas, we have to understand his courage. And if we're going to understand Thomas, we have to understand his caution. Now to understand someone, we have to understand the good and the bad, right? Thomas had caution, but that caution wasn't good. Thomas, I think, might be considered the missing disciple because he disregarded the assembling of Jesus' disciples. Notice what John recorded. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came, John twenty twenty four. His doubts about Jesus' resurrection caused him to be absent from the meeting he was expected to attend. 
I think this is the sad truth about every congregation. They have disciples who disregard the assembling of the saints. I'm not talking about out of the ordinary situations like we're facing now. But since the establishment of the church of God, God has demanded that his disciples meet every first day of the week. And he has demanded that his disciples meet when the leadership has deemed it necessary to meet. That means if the leadership uh, demand that we meet on a Wednesday night, we meet on a Wednesday night. If the leadership demand that we meet uh, for a, a gospel meeting, we meet for a gospel meeting. Okay. If the congregation down the street meet for a gospel meeting, we're not bound by that. If we have an opportunity to do that, I think that would be a wonderful, uh, healthy thing to do, but that's not what we're bound by. Okay, But we're bound by what our leadership uh, are to do. And we, we can't make excuses for Thomas, and we can't make excuses for each other, right? Thomas should have been present, period. The disciples of any given congregation has to be present when they have an opportunity. Why should Thomas have been present? He was one of the twelve. He was one of Christ's disciples, right? And if there was ever a time for him to have been present, that was the time. The other disciples needed him, right? When we come together, we need each other. We need each other. We rely on each other, right? It was then when he should have been there. Notice some things that he missed by not being there. He missed seeing the Lord immediately following the resurrection. The greatest miracle that God performed. That blessing alone warranted Thomas's presence. He missed the fellowship of those of like precious faith. 2 Peter 1 1. He missed excuse me, he missed the opportunity of performing his duty. As a disciple, right? We all have responsibilities. Thomas had a responsibility as an apostle. He had a responsibility to discharge that uh, responsibility. He missed that opportunity. When we look at the business world, what might we say is the mark of a shirker in the business world? Someone who doesn't discharge his responsibility, right? If a person doesn't show up and perform his duties, what happens to that individual? He doesn't last long, does he? He doesn't last long. He's going to be fired. Uh, Brother Ron spent 40 years probably, or 30-something years, 40 years, 44? 44 years, 50 years, something like that, 44 years uh, uh, overseeing folks. Did you fire a person or two during that period of time? You know, if they showed up and they shirked their responsibility or they didn't show up and by not showing up they shirked their responsibility, you know, they didn't last long. Brethren, we need to look at our, our spiritual lives that way, right? Now, again, I'm not talking about a situation that we're in. This is an odd situation, right? That, that, it is an out-of-the-ordinary situation. 
you know, this is a kind of a one-off thing, right? We're talking about a normal situation. Uh, but if, if we shirk our responsibility, missing opportunity to fulfill our duty as disciples, the Lord looks down on that, right? Thomas missed having the, his greatest needs supplied. He went around an extra week with a heavy heart thinking the, that, uh, the Lord's cause was over, right? That, that he was still in the grave. That the cause had finished. He didn't have to do that. And, and so, uh, the other disciples had their hopes restored. No disciple has ever been made better by failing to attend the services when the saints meet. That's never been a, been the case. A husband and wife, they arose one Sunday morning and the wife dressed for church. It was almost time for the services to begin and she noticed that her husband hadn't moved one finger in getting ready to go to services. She went and she asked him, she said, why aren't you getting dressed for church? He said, because I don't want to go. She said, do you have any reason at all? He said, yeah, I've got three good reasons. Why? He said, first, the congregation is cold. Second, no one likes me. And third, I just don't want to go. The wife, in her wisdom, said, well, honey, I've got three reasons why you ought to go. First, the congregation is warm. Second, there are a few people who like you. Third, you're the preacher. <laughs> so get dressed. We're going to church. You know, Thomas was missing because he had lost hope. He believed Christ was dead. He believed the cause of Christ was destroyed. But it, but his missing lent itself to that. Listen, it doesn't help when we're missing in action, does it? Thomas was a man who eventually, though, went from doubt to faith. But we must never confuse doubt with unbelief. We have to understand Thomas. Let's just not look at Thomas and use him solely as a lesson in not doubting. Listen, that's a good lesson. That's a good lesson to use. Let's not be doubters. But that's not the only lesson. Doubt can lead to greater faith, right? Doubt is an unsettled thing. Unbelief is settled. Unbelief is settled. Some people doubt. Some of God's greatest warriors have doubted, right? Doubt is a confused person seeking an answer. Unbelief is a convicted person who doesn't look for an answer. It's over, right? Unbelief leads to damnation. Doubt might lead to unbelief, but not always. Thomas was a doubter. But didn't Elijah doubt? Didn't Elijah doubt? Didn't he sit down under a juniper tree and ask God to take his life? Didn't John the immerser send two of his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the one or do we seek another? Didn't Peter say, I'm going to go back to fishing? Why did he want to go to fishing? Didn't the job he just had for three and a half years end? 
Didn't he need to feed his family? And it looked like what he would have been doing was over. He was a doubter. He also was a doubter. Wasn't the, weren't the other, uh, uh, disciples doubters too? And then you remember as they sat on the, uh, or as they were in the boat and they were fishing and Jesus was on the, the beach and he said, throw your net over again and they caught fish and then they went and they didn't recognize him until they got closer and Peter jumped in the water and swam to him. Hey, they had seen him. They had seen him after the resurrection and they still had doubts. They still had doubts. Didn't mean they were unbelievers. You know, corrupted Christianity has led to many doubters. A backsliding church and self-seeking service is the soil where doubt flourishes. A lack of study of the Scripture will produce doubt. A fast-talking preacher will convince believers to doubt. You know, if we don't take the time to study we might end up doubting, and that can lead to unbelief. Never take the word of someone else. Jeremiah warned the Israelites about that. We have to be careful. What are the results of doubt and unbelief? You know, there are some things unbelief never did. There are some things doubt never did. Doubt never routed the armies of aliens, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword or stop the mouths of lions, Hebrews eleven thirty three through 34. Unbelief will always lead us away from God, Hebrews 3, verse 12. Doubt led Thomas away from the Lord, but Paul told us to pray without doubting, 1 Timothy 2, 8. And we should never doubt God's care and love for us, Matthew six thirty. Thomas was not an unbeliever, but for a time he was a doubter. To understand Thomas, we have to see him in light of his courage. We have to understand that his caution was not founded in what it ought to have been founded in. He was wrong to have the caution that he had, but I want us to notice his conviction. And then we truly understand his maturation process. He came to be what he ought to have been. At the Lord's second appearance, Thomas was present and he did see the risen Savior. But his doubt brought him something extra from the Lord that the others did not have and something he should have received. He was rebuked. <laughs> the Lord got on to him. He should have been gotten on to, right? But Jesus demonstrated great patience with his disciple. You remember what happened? He put forth both his hands and he told Thomas to to reach into his side because isn't that what Thomas said until I put my hands into his uh, nail uh, prints and I I cast my hand into his side where the spear was. I'm not going to believe. But what he should have done was believe the testimony of those people. Why would he not have believed them? That's something that I have a hard time understanding. But his doubt turned to faith. He received encouragement that he had missed and that he so badly needed. Believing Thomas praised Jesus then. You remember what he said? My Lord and my God, meaning Jesus was both and he believed. Now we kind of can understand Thomas a little better. 
he was then convinced of the resurrection of the Savior, but he should have already been convinced. And you know what? There is not any indication that he took the Savior up on his offer. He didn't have to fill into the side of the Savior. He believed him. But then Jesus told him, he said, there are going to come men and women later who who are not going to have to see me with their eyes. They're just going to believe. We've never seen Jesus. Not with our physical eyes. We've seen him with the eye of faith. We believe that that he had the nail imprints. We believe that, that he had the spear thrust into his side. Thomas was an honest doubter who loved Jesus and, and he was ready to welcome belief. See, that's the thing that we have to come to understand about Thomas. He wanted to believe. That's something I believe is very important. Doubt looks for light. Unbelief is content with darkness. We have to want to look for light. It's very important. When we look at the growth of Thomas, we see his courage. We have to notice his caution. We have to understand the bad that is also with the good, and we see his conviction. I think we ought to look around and thank God for Thomas. Thomas, when he brought his doubts into the open, I think he's helped a whole lot of us be able to to face our own problems and doubts and, and, and see that we can overcome. If Thomas can overcome his doubts after having been with Jesus, I look back on that and I say, how could you have ever doubted? How could you have ever doubted? But he did. And he was able to overcome I think indirectly he prompted Jesus to answer the most important question ever asked. How do we get to where the Lord is? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, John fourteen six. That is the way. It is the truth. And it is that which leads to life. If you need to answer the Lord's invitation this day, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.